I'm Dr. Jay Anders, and this is Tell Me Where It Hurts, where we discuss some of the big challenges in health IT and how we can solve them so clinicians can do what they do best, care for patients. I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Tell Me Where It Hurts. Um, today's topic is patient engagement, which is changed a little bit in my practice lifetime. Um, so starting out, my patient engagement was a pager call from an answering service with a patient on the phone. So that was my patient engagement strategy for the first 15 years of my practice. And thank goodness it's gotten better. So no more of the, the midnight calls with a brittle diabetic. There's other ways to manage that now and, and head it off. Um, so today we have Robin Weiner, who's an executive at CPSI uh, and founding partner of Get Real Health. Uh, Robin is a nationally recognized leader and change agent in healthcare IT, patient engagement, corporate leadership, and she brings more than 20 years of experience in business development, management, and product strategy to her position. Uh, Robin has led Get Real Health from a fledgling company to a 10 million plus global entity and has spearheaded a multi-million dollar acquisition by CPSI, who acquired them uh, recently. Uh, she's a sought-after speaker, an expert on patient engagement, which is our topic today. Mm -hmm. And in both the U.S. and abroad, uh, she's been featured in a lot of podcasts, and now mine, which is great, and recently launched her own series, Get Real About Healthcare. And I love Get Real as the name because it has a couple of, of slants. <laughs> Which yeah, is who does? Neat. Yeah. <laughs> so, welcome, Robin. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here today and talk about what I'm so passionate about, which is patient engagement. All righty. Um, so, you're co-founder, and since you joined CPSI, you're now an executive with that company. Tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are in your pathway to healthcare IT. It's an interesting one, based on your background in fashion when you first started. Absolutely. So. What do you, how do you see yourself in the healthcare system with Get Real Health and is Get Real Health a patient engagement company or is it other things? Well, to start with my, my, my past is I went to University of Connecticut, go Yukon, um, for fashion merchandising and fashion design. So with that, I moved into the retail world and kind of jumped from retail into recruiting in the HR side, uh, recruiting for technology companies. And through that, getting into technology companies, I got involved in multiple technology companies. And um, we were there during the dot-com world, which was crazy. Um, and as that kind of bubble kind of popped, um, two of my partners, uh, Mark Keeney and Jason Harmon and I decided, heck, we're, we can do this ourselves. We can go out and start a technology firm. So that's what we did. Um, I, my side being the people side, you know, bringing the right people in, going at the right clients. Jason being a phenomenal solution architect and Mark being a phenomenal businessman and network engineer. And um, through that, of course, just after we launched, 9-11 happened. Um, so it, 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 it's, been, it's been an interesting, um, we've been through a lot, of, a lot of different things together. But as we grew the company and actually went from just a national company to an international company, um, it's been an incredible road, uh, road um, with just phenomenal employees. I always think with any kind of company, you have to, you're surrounded by the best people. And that's what I've been able to do is really bring the best people 
And in 2019, we actually sold the company. I've, and I got to know the guys at CPSI and sold the company CPSI. But all the way, I would say halfway through, and probably 2010 is where we really got into patient engagement. And that has really been our focus for many, many years. And that's actually started, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, we used to be a professional services company. So we'd build whatever anybody wanted us to build, right? So we were working with a healthcare company and they got involved with Microsoft and something called Microsoft Health Vault. And what Health Vault is or was, um, came really from the mind of um, Sean Nolan at Microsoft. And it all came after Katrina. During Katrina, and we're all, I think most people do remember the terrible hurricane, all these patients um, all of a sudden ended up without any kind of records because their houses got flooded. So all their records were gone. Their doctor's offices were flooded. The hospitals had things on their network, but back then all the computer systems were in the basement. They got flooded. So these patients are showing up in Houston and in Dallas with a handful of pills and going, or, you know, going, I don't know, I'm not sure what the pink one does, but I have cancer and I don't know where I am even in my, my regiment or I've, you know, all those kind of different things. So people were really lost. And Dr. Edge, you probably remember this. I mean, it was, it was a terrible time. And um, what Sean came up with is why don't we have this information handy for patients in the cloud where it's safe and secure and they can reach it as long as they get an internet connection. And we thought, wow, this is brilliant. This is absolutely want to be. Um, my partner, Jason, is a type one diabetic. Uh, I have a heart condition. So all of us were very in tuned to, wow, what did that happen to us? What would, like, what we do? So when we started the company, we wanted to make sure we had a mission. What did we want to do with, with what we're building? And all of a sudden, this was like, ding, 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 ding. We know what it is. And through that, we built our first patient platform for American Heart Association, and it was a professional services gig. As soon as we finished, AHA came to us and said, hey, can you do it in Spanish? And we're like, oh my gosh, because um, we oh, if we only knew. And right behind it, American Cancer Society came in and said, hey, we want something similar to that one. Can you do that? And that's when we came up with the concept of building a product that can be flexible, that can be in multiple languages, and that can actually hit with the patient engagement uh, what patients want, really focusing from the patient side <clears throat> versus everybody's always focused it from the medical side. So we, you know, not, not being in the medical world, we just assumed that's, you know, that's how we should look at it it's for the patients. And so we, um, that's kind of how we started Get Real Health. And, you know, with our partnership, Microsoft, it was a great kickoff. So, you know, that, that points out something that has been a, a theme in healthcare IT for a while. Um, not having things focused on patients. They're focused on the providers. They're focused on provider organizations. They're focused everywhere else. Yeah. But very rarely are they focused on the patient, which is really where they should be. Um, so it sounds like you're filling a really needed gap in, in this world of uh, healthcare IT. Um, now, I did a little research and Get Real Health is in a lot of different legs of healthcare, payers, provider practices, uh, things like that. Um, so tell us about how those various organizations use what you provide. Uh, I'll start with my biggest one, Ashley, 
And that's up in Canada. We have over 2 million people using the platform in Canada. And it's being used through the population um, from um, the provinces of Alberta, Canada, and Saskatchewan, Canada. So this is actually through the Department of Health there. So we are the patient engagement platform for both of those provinces. And so up there, um, in, in, when you go to social medicine, it's a little different from here in the United States. And there they, they hash a little bit more centralized. So we connect into the central database, which is the HIE, Health Exchange up there. And we are able to give all the citizens of each one of those provinces the ability to see all their information going from any practice, hospital, and, or even pharmaceutical, to be able to have one place to look for their information. And even in Saskatchewan, we were their, the vaccination passport for them, that they were able to get nothing more motivated to Canadians um, uh, than telling them that they can't go to a hockey game unless they have a pa the, the vaccination passport. You, had, you wouldn't believe the, the pickup we had on that one, um, but uh, <laughs> which is great. But that, you know, so in, you know, in Canada, so we have every, clients from DO, Department of Health. We just launched in Abu Dhabi uh, two weeks ago with the Department of Health for the citizens of Abu Dhabi to everything from, um, in, our, in Canada, our partners TELUS, which is a telecommunication company. So we work from everything from DOHS all the way down in here in the United States. Our, one of our newest clients is Steward Health. And at Steward Health, they have 650 clinics and um, 40 hospitals. And we are the digital front door for them, meaning that there's only one patient portal, not for just the, the clinics, which is usually, and you have something different for the hospitals and something different as you go across the country. For Steward, there's only one place that you have all your information flowing, including pay your bill, schedule your appointments, um, do secure messaging and telehealth. So it's really taking that patient and putting them right in front, right in the middle, and say, hey, this is how we're going to retain patients, how we're going to get them to pay the financial side of their their piece, but also educate them to keep them healthy. And um, that's where we brought care management tools in that to be able to um, support that. But those are some of them, and then we've done a lot of work um, with nonprofits. Lots of conversations right now with in the payer group and even some research projects utilizing if you think about um when you do a research project or a, a, a trial you really need to get that patient information in and i think that is the future of seeing what we're doing with patient engagement is giving access to clinical trials to anybody in the world now because you don't have to be in location to be able to get those clinical trials they can monitor you from afar you know that's that's a thing that I'm seeing more in healthcare IT, all, almost all EMRs have patient portals. And the problem with patient portals, as you well know, is it's just for that particular instance. Right. So an Epic system has a patient portal for this instance of Epic. The hospital down the street that has the same has a different instance. Right. So it, it makes it such that it's very hard for patients to actually, I have three patient portals that I log into Absolutely. for my healthcare, which is just maddening because you, anyway, it's just maddening. It and is. That really isn't the best way to do it. No, you know, it isn't. And the, the nice thing about the governments is because of the social medicine, we are ability to go in and hit a whole group of, group of them. Here in the US, we're so segregated. It is segregated. Uh, yeah. I remember 
before my mother passed away, I was her basic repository of medical information. So I would go with her appointments to different providers, different locations. I was the person. They didn't have a clue what was going on with her in some places. Yep. So do you see tools like what you're building uh, being more pervasive in healthcare? And where do you see the bridging of the gap between patients and care and facilities? Well, I got to tell you, as, as terrible as COVID is, it forced technology to move faster and to get further along. And one of the biggest thing is because of COVID, we had to go to telehealth. And because of that, a lot of doctors did not want to do that. And part of that here in the US, it wasn't reimbursable. So now that they put the reimbursable piece on there, so now we want to make those calls, so telehealth calls as efficient and knowledgeable as if you're walking into the door in the hospital or a doctor's office. So now with telehealth, you want to be able to bring as much information about you to the conversation. And by the way, you might see your doctor two to three times a year. The rest of your life happens at home. It happens here. Um, And what we have found that as we're collecting, we're connecting to multiple devices. So the Apple watch, so your glucometer, your, you know, your blood pressure, scale, that information comes in and the doctor doesn't want to see it all the time but they want to see if something goes off the rails. They want a, a, an alert for that. So now we're bringing all that information in, plus surveys and questionnaires and things like that that can actually bring this information together. So when the doctor gets on, they're able to take a quick look at that and have a more meaningful conversation in 15, 20 minutes versus taking the first 10 or 15 minutes of trying to pull that information out. They can pinpoint and say, hey, you know what? I have noticed that your blood pressure is slowly creeping up. Or for my son's a type one diabetic, where they can absolutely say, we need to make an insulin change because we can see that at this point, your, your sugar is, is too high or too low. And for to be honest with you, even further for us as having a, a, somebody who's a type one diabetic is the alert system. Because if this is consistently, the doctors are calling and saying, hey, we need to make a change in the insulin levels. So we can see it. And then even to the point that you're talking about your mom, right? She would never probably log in and do all this. But what if she just stepped on the scale every morning? That's all you need her to do. And the reason for it, maybe she has heart, um, heart failure. And if she steps on the scale, the scale is automatically connected into the system. And all she has to do is say, mom, just step on the scale one time in the morning. Well, let's say she gained five pounds overnight. An alert is sent to you and to her doctor saying there's a problem. And maybe you don't have to you know, bring her into the hospital right away. It might be a telehealth call that you can get on and change her diuretic right then and there. And it, it makes her life, she doesn't have to be exposed to a bunch of things, but also you can get on it really fast where you might not see her for three days and not realize this has happened. So those are the kind of things I foresee happening along with now that we're collecting this data in a really great way to be able to do with artificial intelligence, start to pinpoint trends in different parts of the country and different parts of the world that will be able to say something is happening in that that region. And this is of course with the consent of the patients and being able to put programs in there or really, you know, if we all of a sudden see a huge spike in flu in this area, come in with a flu, you know, some, uh, a flu van that comes in and, and, you know, gives everybody a flu shot or those kind of things. So 
there is so much power here that we haven't even tapped, but we're starting to very slowly start to tap it around the world. So when Get Real Health was acquired by CPSI as part of their patient engagement strategy, CPSI mm-hmm. primarily is in rural critical access hospitals. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's their sweet spot. And talk about a healthcare delivery system that is spread out and non-communicative across a broad area. That's the rural health system. You have one or two doctors for 30 square miles and one 12 bed hospital that everybody goes to if they get really sick and they get transferred out. Tell me a little bit about your strategy with CPSI and how you're going to be able to really enhance uh, the delivery of healthcare in that rural setting. Absolutely. So um, we are now connected to almost all of their, their hospitals out there to be able to give that patient engagement piece of it. They're slowly rolling it out, slowly changing it over. Um, in the soon to be future, there will be a database so they can actually hopefully down the road be able to go to, from one CPSI location over the EMR to another and be able to get that information. So that is where we start to see some real power here. The data, the real power, because I look at some small little hospital out in Iowa that has a patient that comes in with some kind of very unique disease. And that patient doesn't get the ability to be, I live, I live literally two, two metro stops from NIH, right? So the National Institute of Health. If there's something wrong with me, I've got the, and then John Hopkins is also 30 minutes away. So I, I am the mix of, God forbid something happens to me, I've got the best in the, you know, right at my fingertips. What about that small hospital out there? And if we're on a national database or a database large enough that we can tap into and that that patient says, I consent to be into clinical trial, we, there can be abilities to search for people that have those certain diseases and bring them into a clinical trial. I think that's the, where I, we, I, we would love to see get to that point. But right now, even being able to move that data from one hospital to another hospital, especially when you're in such a small environment and you have to transfer that data. The data's got to be able to go with them in a very fast way. You know, a helicopter's got to come in and a small plane's got to come in to move them. So that's one aspect for what we're doing for CPSI. The other thing is to give them more of an international global footprint, uh, which they really don't have. So now with us, we have brought in countries like New Zealand, um, UAE, uh, Europe, England, and Wales, and the Netherlands, and uh, Australia, and Canada. So we've expanded their footprint around the world. And um, as they're getting to know more and more of that piece, and, and that's really where I come into play because I really do have the, the connections um, around the world. I've been doing this for a while. So, you know, interesting you bring up data because I've got a couple of, couple of topics to talk about related mm-hmm. to data. Recently, October 6th was the deadline for people mandated to do data exchange Yes. and not do data blocking. So how do you perceive your company actually helping delivery systems comply with that? We have to, we don't have a choice. So uh, with fire interfaces, we have been able to do that, be able to make PI, where our meaningful use. We've been in this game for a while and we do the, the piece of being able to make sure that information is not blocked to the patient. So we've opened, we're able to go ahead and we have to hit, you know, especially large hospital systems like Stewart Health and, you know, all the hospitals that CPSI is part of it. 
is to be able to block it. But we've always believed in that. We've always, we've been, you know, I'm 10 minutes from Washington, D.C., um, and I've been on the Hill many times fighting this, fighting this from the beginning for meaningful use, which was, you know, everybody's access. And it went down to like, if one person could access, come on, guys, patients, the patient's bill of rights is really important and they should not have data blockage. So we are passionate about it. We believe in it. So we have gone out and, and I work with some of the brightest people in the world and, um, made sure our fire interfaces are actually grabbing that information and connecting and calling out um, EMRs or et cetera that are, are, are still blocking and are still doing it. And um, uh, we have no problem with doing that. And it's funny because now we work for an EMR company. For many years, we were on the other side of the fence um, and, uh, and, and fighting that. I've, I've spoken at the White House a few times on this very issue. So in, just for full disclosure, um both of our companies, yours and mine, yours is owned by CPSI. We have a relationship with CPSI. Absolutely. To, <laughs> but they're to, pretty, um, I mean, they feel the same way though. Interestingly, how important do you think good granular clinical data is in this whole exchange? Because some of the exchange that I've seen is nothing more than a PDF, electronic version of something, which really in my opinion, doesn't help. Um, it's just another thing to read, another thing providers are gonna to have to plow through, another thing to make a mistake on because you're gonna miss something in the mix. Yeah. Um, so Medicomp is providing structured data to CPSI to put in their programs. And how do you see that, that structured clinical data being used as part of your Get Real Health initiative? So, and that's what we, we want, we hate getting PDFs. We really do want structured data that's coming in. And what we do is we parse that data out into um, readable ways for the patient to be able to do it. So we're gonna parse it. So meaning that all the blood pressures go together, all the um, glucose readings go together, and then we do graphs. And that's where we're gonna be able to tell you if you're over, you're under, and et cetera. And that's really important for the patient. The patient, most patients out there aren't gonna read through that, but they can see a visual representation of it and realize, wow, you know what? I can see very clearly that my blood pressure is going up or not, but you have to be able to get readable data that comes over and not just on a piece of paper or the PDF. It's got to be something that's put together and has algorithm behind there that tell you if you're in trouble, if you're doing fine, even reminders to take your medication, those kind of things. But we need to be able to get that information out of the hospital system to be able to do it. And eventually some of the hospital systems we, around the world or we're able to actually push that information back into the EMR if it's, it's self-injured or uh, coming off devices or from another um, facility. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the future. Um, where is uh, Get Real Health planning to go into next and what challenges and gaps do you see with what your initiatives are? Well, I think um, we are getting more and more into care management. Um, with action plans and et cetera. So that's gonna be a piece of it, but we're really looking at the digital front door and being able to really bring in this one, one place for the patient to be able to come in and do something and not having to go to the big epics in the world, being able to do something that's affordable for these hospital systems that are, you can still keep whatever EMR, like we're Stewart Health, we're combining Athena 
on the on the patient side or the in the clinic side and Meditech. And bringing that information to one place so making it easier for the patient, but also for the hospital system because they're actually driving. I look at what, what does it mean for a CFO, right? CFO, everybody's going to the same place to pay their bills, right? What does it mean for the chief marketing officer? Well, when we're marketing a new event or new, et cetera, anything like that, they have one place to go to see it. The CEO, they're going to be able to see people retain. The chief medical officer, people are showing up for scheduling. If you're sending people to multiple different places to do that, you're going to lose them. And um, so you want to be able, we see ourselves doing that in a bigger, better way. You know, we came out with a hit with Stewart Health as one of the largest hospital systems in the United States, but we're also getting a lot of interest. I'm about to go down to New Zealand and we are working with Spark Health down there, which is part of the telecom. And we're working close with the government and we are really going after it with this vision of being able to go ahead and really show all of this great information to one place. So that's our future. And not just here in the US, we're gonna expand our US footprint, but also around the world. So do you perceive there'll be a time that say, I'm traveling in Australia, that mm-hmm. when I, and I get ill for whatever reason or get injured, they'll be able to access my health records here in the United States? in yes. some shape or fashion? Yeah, so what we've done is we have an emergency um, access piece, which is a QR code that can you can put in your wallet um, or on your phone or wherever you want. You can print it off, put it in your wallet. It can be on your phone, whatever. So let's say something happens and you're unconscious. They always go through, as you well know, your wallet, right? So with that wallet, they can actually take a, go ahead and get on the QR code. QR code's gonna take, you, take them to the website. It's a break the glass, right? So think about break the glass. So that's going to give them a bunch of information, especially the most important well, one is your, your family members, but also along with, and you decide what information, but your medications, your, you know, your chronic diseases, those kind of things are going to have access. And it's a window of time that they get, and you know who has access to that information. So it's protected, but that's going to happen. So anywhere in the world, you'll have that QR code. And we have that now. That is important. It's we have uh, the, the emergency access of that right now, and that to us is one of the biggest pieces. People know QR codes now. We've all learned the last two years what a QR code is. So being able to have that in your wallet to be able to have people access it anywhere in the world is what we're we're completely we're doing it now, and we think it's the right way to go. That that's fabulous. That that's the way healthcare should be delivered. Shouldn't yeah. be guessing about what's going on with an unconscious patient, especially having been in that situation personally a couple of times, not yep. being unconscious, but taking care of somebody care who was. And, and we do it, you know, we have a trusted sources, so it's all secure and um, security. And that's why we have these gates you have to go through to make sure we know who is accessing, when they're accessing and when they can stop accessing. So I asked this question of everybody that is on our podcast. If there was one thing in healthcare that you could wave a magic wand and change, what would it be? Silos. I would knock down the darn silos. Information should flow. You should not have to deal with trying to go to 14 different places to get your records. They should be at your fingertips. And it's so frustrating. I I dealt with my parents too. And having to fight hospitals to get their records is ridiculous. So I would knock down all these darn silos of data and have it one place for all of us to get to, 
to get better health. Because I think if we all knew what the heck was going on with ourselves and our bodies and what's happening, we would make better decisions. And right now it's just so sliced and dicing. You find it figuring out a little bit over here and a little bit over here. Wouldn't be, I, that's my big thing. Knock down the silos, man. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with you. Because like I said, being on the provider side of this, uh, trying to get information from patients, sometimes it's not the most efficient thing to do depending mm-hmm. on their condition. And I absolutely think that's a great goal to have. And I love the global aspect of that. Yeah. The world's flat nowadays, right? We go and do everything around the world, and which is great, which is fantastic. But you know, I was in I was in Scotland this past year with my whole family for the British Open, and you know, my kids are getting exposed to going overseas, and I want them to be able to do that. But we want to make sure that, God forbid, something happens, especially with having a son that is a type one, that somebody can give him the care he needs when he needs it. Robin, it has been a pleasure to have you on our program. If people want to get a hold of you and talk more about this or talk more about Get Real Health, how would they do that? I would start at our website, which is uh, www.getrealhealth.com, or you can actually go ahead and search for us on LinkedIn or for myself on LinkedIn. And um, so it's Get Real Health on LinkedIn, or for me, if you want to reach out directly, it's Robin and last name Wiener, W-I-E-N-E-R on LinkedIn. Or you can even just go ahead and email me at robin.wiener at getrealhealth.com. Again, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to Tell Me Where It Hurts. Tune in to Healthcare Now Radio and Podcast Network each month for the latest episode. To learn more about Medicomp Systems, visit our website at www.medicomp.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at MedicompSys or myself at MedicompDoc or check out the show notes for links. See you next time.